Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law, and with me as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also with us, Kid Presentable. Hey, hey. And finally, Lavender Gooms. Hello, guys. I think that means we got a full squad, yo. Hashtag full squad in the building. That's right. I think it might be time. We're getting to the point where we got to like jettison these nicknames, guys. I think like no, we, we say in the beginning of the show and that's a wrap. Like I mean, I'm not I'm not playing any games with mine, Bobby. I never was. That's fair. Um anyway, um we're gonna talk about about the fights, you know. Where I've learned I've come to this conclusion, guys. The only thing I got left in terms of my credibility, and there's not like there's not anything left besides this, to be clear, is that I was on that Justin Gaethje train, and more often than not, he doesn't let me down. Okay? Um, we're gonna talk God, about God bless Justin Gaethje, Bobby. I was on my way for an O for everything night. Oh, but I, Justin I saved the day. Did I get anything right? I was gonna say I was I was looking at my phone. I didn't get a chance to watch this live. I'm like, I don't think I picked any of this correct. I don't know if we aligned, but yeah, I was I was wrong on everything up until uh, until Gaethje. Oh uh, yeah, yep, uh, yeah. That was the only thing I. That was the only thing he got us uh, stuff. Um, we're gonna talk about that fight. We're gonna talk about big win for Karate Hottie. We're gonna talk about. Um, a guy everybody except uh, Sanchez here slept on, even though I'm sure Mike doesn't know who he is really before the fight. Jack Hermanson. Um, and we got to stop maybe giving Josh Emmett a little bit more credit, I guess, at this point. Um, I gave him credit. Yeah, why not? I don't. I don't think. I don't think we need to give him credit. Do you see Shout that out fight? To Jack Herbinson for getting me my only win of the night. Yeah, Emmett's the only thing Mark got, huh? That's we yeah, all got one. We all good. got Stefan. <laughs> that's all we got. We all got exactly one fight, right? Um, we well, all like I said this. This was a night full of coin flips, <laughs> and sometimes that coin flip on your. Yeah, my brother's in Vegas, and he calls me and says, "Hey, when's this next? What's the next UFC card after this one? And what do you think? Some fights I can make money on?" I'm like, "Nikki, this is not the night for me to give you advice. It's not going well." Um, we're gonna talk about those fight that fight card. There's no UFC card coming this weekend, but we're gonna talk a little bit about one FC, um, where we got a rough night for uh, one UFC one UFC veteran making their debut there, and uh, another one getting a big win and making good use of the rules um, in one FC. Um, after that, really, we're going to do a little stuff we like, and I'm going to give everybody warning here and we'll do it right before it starts. The last 20 or so minutes of this show, we're talking about wrestling. Um, it's WrestleMania weekend. And also John Oliver took the WWE around back and clubbed it with a baseball bat last night. So that's what we can talk about that too. Um, and uh, shit, John- doing it because he loved it too. That was it. He was one of those abusive boyfriends. Like I, I'm hitting oh, yeah. you because I like you. Yeah, I honestly, you. um, you got. We're gonna talk about it later. But you guys, if you, if, if, if we're all John Oliver fans, we've talked about it on the show. But he, the what he said about the WWE is very much. He could have done basically the same thing about the UFC with minor tweaks. Yeah. Um, probably not as funny though. It's probably why when they're in the writing room, like, look, we have two stories we can go with. We have a lot of fun footage with wrestling. Mm. 
we got a couple things with Dana White. <laughs> he could be kind of embarrassing sometimes. I mean, yeah. If, if someone has any stock footage of uh, Dana White getting domed with a bedpan in a hospital, I'd love to see it. You know, uh, you know, you shoot me your like your Patreon or whatever. I'll I'll give you a subscription. I mean, you show me that footage. Let's be real. We're going to talk about it later, but like they had to probably they probably had like five hours of great. Vince oh, there's so much weird. And they had to like, all right, we can only do so many cutbacks to Vince being a moron. Which ones are we picking? I think they did, I think they did a pretty good job. Yeah. Oh, just, no uh, question. If, if I could just chime in, because we're I, I know we're going full round, but the one Vince footage that uh, I was hoping to see that they omitted was uh, when Vince walked to his limo and it blew up, and then uh, for like 24 <laughs> hours, is is Vince McMahon dead? Was a uh, that was the storyline we were thought yeah, to the, uh, believe. The president of the United States thought it was real and had the call. Um, I believe sure the following okay. day, was it like the following day that 9-11 happened? I believe it was a Tuesday. No, it wasn't 9-11. It was uh, like, no? no, no, he did it. And then Benoit killed his family. Oh, that's what that's it, what I it knew was. It was really close to a very sensitive Good. event that they're like, we can't do the storyline. He anymore. did it. He, John Oliver beat their ass that badly. He didn't bring up Benoit either. Like, that's that impressive. Is true. That is impressive. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll get, we'll get into that. You know what? Yeah. So we're going to give everybody a fair warning. A good matter of this podcast can be wrestling. But shit, man, the UFC got out of the way too. There's no UFC card this weekend. And as we touched on when we talked about this ESPN deal, there's a card every motherfucking weekend. Um, anyways, my guy, Justin, the highlight Gaethje. Nickname doesn't sound that great altogether, but you know what? It's, it's really appropriate, man. Justin Gaethje went out there. Had a fight with Edson Barboza, a fight we just wrote down, fight of the year. Before it even, you know, like three months ago when it was announced. Um, fight started, they started fucking swinging. Um, I appreciated. I remember from the show last week, and not to poke at you, Mike, but when you made your pick and you said, I think Edson Barboza is smart enough not to get in that kind of brawl with him. The fight started, you had to think, Mike, ah, oh, fuck, immediately? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I rewatched it today. <laughs> And um, or not rewatched that. Watched it for the first time today, a few hours ago, and within ten seconds, thought, "Oh, I know, I know, Gaethje wins, but I can see how he wins." Ugh, so, yeah, so M- Marcus, your thoughts on the fight? Bring us a breakdown of what happened, and I know you appreciated the very pro wrestling like test of strength we got that was based on leg kicks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, the first thirty seconds were them just trading low kicks, which I was kind of—I mean, look—they both utilize it a lot. I just didn't think they would go there and just start slamming shins against each other for a good thirty seconds. But it was very reminiscent. I mean, this is—that was almost like a scene from like a blood sport where the dudes are just yeah. kicking each other and they're like, "Oh, harder, harder!" Um, but eventually, you know, Justin just—and I—I mean, Bobby, you're right. You—you you were on the train early, but I think at this point, everyone's kind of a Justin Gaethje fan. I mean, I, I don't know if you can watch his fights and. I literally, if if you watch them and you're not a fan of it, I don't know why you're watching this sport unless you're like a hard head grappling jujitsu guy, and anyone throwing hands is just wasting their time. Well, yeah, in your opinion, Meryl Quick Marcus, before you get into it, it's also he's not just throwing hay. The man throws; he knows how to throw punches and throw kicks. He throws no, proper it, it, technique. Yeah, no, it's not just him just closing his eyes and swinging wildly. You know, he he's technical when he gets in the pocket and he knows when to let his hands go. But sometimes, you know, that, that, that leads to these back and forth fights where people are able to expose him because he's being so aggressive. And Barboza really didn't get much of that opportunity. They traded low kicks for a while. And as Justin Gaethje kind of poured on the pressure and got Edson against the cage, you know, Edson didn't really have a lot of strategies to use lateral movement to get against the cage. So he was kind of 
posted up there trying to swing back with Gus, uh, Justin Gaethje and just, you know, ate, ate too many punches. And uh, and really, this is a good, you know, we I love the the fight of the year. And I don't think this, honestly, one of the things I, I went to the Wikipedia page for is like, oh, I want to make sure Michael Johnson and Josh Emmett got fight of the night because I thought that was the best fight. This was a great two minutes and thirty Dude, seconds, but it wasn't really. Emmett didn't even Emmett didn't even get a performance bonus for that knockout. We'll get to that, but that was come on, man. I mean, I really, and we'll talk about that fight later. But I mean, you know, I, I think it was almost like we already cut the check for these two guys. We kind of already had this uh, posted up. So, and it wasn't a bad fight by any. It was actually a really fun fight. It's just, I, and I think one of the things that the only negative is just like, man, I kind of wish we would have seen like a barn burner Justin Gaethje fight where he's getting you know, his teeth punched in and he keeps coming forward. But for his own credit and for his own longevity, I'm glad that he's getting some wins where he's not taking a ton of damage. Um, and they're still exciting. You know, he still went out there and he did what he what he does. And it was a fantastic performance. He got Edson Barboza out of there quick. Um, and this is probably the highest profile win he has. I think it really throws him into, you know, the conversation of uh, title fights. The unfortunate thing, and this is what we've even heard from the guys leaving lightweight is like, that weight class is a shit show. There's so many potential champions and they're about to crown a third dude with a potential belt. And it's just like, man, that weight class, it's Wait, hard. Who, who, was, who was the second guy with the belt? Well, you had uh, Ferguson had a belt, right? Oh, that doesn't Habib count. Has the that, that, belt. that Ferguson belt doesn't count. They took that away from him. Officially, I'm guessing. Oh, they took, it, they took it away from him when Connor and Khabib fought. But still, that was like a guy who fought a championship yeah. fight and won and you know should have been next in line i mean now with all the crazy shit that he's done outside of the octagon it's like that i don't really care as much he seems like kind of like he's taking too many blows to begin with so maybe let's back away from that a little bit but now you know they're gonna have max holloway and dustin poirier fight for a belt gaethje's in the mix the weight division itself has just always been stacked and it's been historically brutally hard to get up into like the top five of that division i mean you've had guys like uh james vick is like dude i've won like eight matches in a row and I'm like rank 13, you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a really tough division. So, but Gaethje's in there, he's in that conversation. And I think if his next title fight, if his next fight isn't for a title, it's gotta be like a, a contender eliminator. And um, yeah, just a great performance. Super happy. He got a nice clean win and didn't take a ton of damage and can't wait to see where he goes from here. Yeah. I love me some Justin Gaethje. Um, he know he's his realism about the sport, the way he talks about like, how this is going to end badly. It doesn't make me feel better. I'm just like, part of me is just like, well, at least he knows. He knows where this is headed. Um, I don't know what to really say about, I mean, well, let me go with this first. I want to look. Mark's already on Wikipedia. I'm going to see if I see if you guys know the answer to this without looking it up. Justin Gaethje has had five UFC fights. Do you guys know how many performance bonuses he's got? No, I'm guessing five. Five. Six. Wait, what? He got six. double up. On he one. got he got he got a fight of the night and a performance of the night. Was I the only was was I the only one that thought um mis misconstrued it for fight of the nights? Oh, I, I, no, oh. I, I mean, I, I was thinking, I was not thinking he'd double up, but if that's not a fucking stat on his next time he walks out, he has like a hundred and twenty percent fight night bonuses. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? <laughs> math? Okay. Ella, you guys come for the MMA, you stay for the math. Marcus with that sweet, sweet percentage <laughs> explanation. <laughs> was that even right? I don't even know. I think you nailed it. I don't think you pretty got it, yeah. Has Gaethje even been on a pay-per-view yet? He We paid to watch Eddie Alvarez and him beat the shit out of each other for three rounds. That was it. Well, it's nice to know he made himself an extra 300K already. 
I, rem- I remember yeah. cheering for this guy where they'd make him a, someone would make him a Wikipedia page, and this and then it would get deleted because they said he wasn't relevant enough. And that was when he was champion of World Series of Fighting, man. Um, Justin Gaethje, we'll see where he goes from here. Stefan, I want you to talk about Tiago's. Oh, what was his name? Uh, James uh, Jack Hermanson. I'll get it there eventually. Uh, <laughs> again, naming guys against old man in the pride of some borough in New York. Uh, David Branch. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, I'll talk about that fight real quick. Um, so I just wanted to chime in on uh, uh, Gaethje before we move off of him entirely real quick. Uh, to me, you know, my takeaway from this whole thing was by putting him in Philadelphia, not exactly that him and Eddie Alvarez were truly rivals, but in my head, they kind of were rivals because they occupied the same space. Eddie did beat Justin Gaethje and probably was one of his best UFC performances out of outside of taking the belt from uh, Dos Anjos. Um, but since they're kind of the same fighter, don't you? F- I feel like Justin Gaethje just took Eddie's place as Philadelphia's favorite son. Like, he's yeah. just Eddie Alvarez now. Like, By the way, hey, hey, Philadelphia, Eddie's not in this organization anymore. The I'm cra- your Eddie Alvarez. The, the, crowd, the crowd booing Edson Barboza for no reason was like some of the most Philadelphia shit ever. Just like what a shitty, shitty group of people. Then, like, yeah, just. I mean, ahead. I'll give them props though, because they busted out the USA chant for Gaethje over Barbosa. Well, a little surprised they busted it out for uh, Waterson. Like, that was an interesting USA chant with Waterson versus Carolina. I, I, I bet they, like, I, I bet, uh, I bet they were confused. Birmingham, Alabama, man. Like, shoot. No, no dude, I, I, I bet they were confused, Steph. I, I bet they thought Carolina was, was just. That's what I'm saying. Is like they did it, but do you maybe think some of them thought Carolina was the one they were chanting you? Come on, man. They did. Let's be With honest. A name like Kovacavich. Come on, man. Michelle Watterson. That's a nice hearty. Man, apple this is, yeah, I'm yeah. saying, Mike. I'm saying there's people there that thought Michelle Watterson was the white girl. Yeah, I'm saying oh, also oh, this is Philadelphia. Me. They they yeah. are all fucking five beers in. And wait, hold on now. That that logic it doesn't really track too apart much. as well because Kovacavich, you got a brown Asian looking girl. Come on. I'm just saying they, everybody was drunk and <laughs> they were so confused. They were they were five beers and four whippets in and they, they, they were really... any of the fighters were from America. They were just like America, America. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, Mike, as, uh, in a personal interaction as I tangent here, I, I've encountered a drunk uh, racist person and I've had them go through the entire book of racial slurs trying to land on me because they just I'm going to keep throwing. I don't know what he is. Like, one of these has to offend him, right? He went through every like Latino, every black, every Asian, every Middle Eastern slur, and I had I had to play a little warmer, colder with him. Um, but uh, go ahead, buddy. Like, Jack, anyways, Jack Hermanson, Jack- Hermanson, Hermanson smoked Dave Branch. That's all there is to say about that. Dave Branch looks cuttable. That's Hermanson for a guy who has a lot of finishes. We didn't know what he was doing. This is what you want to see him do to people. If you're a prospect, you want to see him run over guys. He ran over this dude. Yeah, David Branch. Um, I thought he was from New York. Maybe just oh, trains out of New York. Train fighting out of Brooklyn. Um, didn't go well. And uh, J- Dave really had a really good run when he was out of the UFC. Um, he won both belts. That he, I mean, he won two belts in the World Series of Fighting. He took the middleweight and light heavyweight championship. Beat a bunch. Beat some people that you're like, oh, I know that guy is. I know that guy is. I mean, he beat Vinny Magalhaes. He beat Clifford Starks. Um, beat, beat Jesse, uh, JT money, beat JC, beat Jesse, uh, Jesse Taylor, beat Yoshino Kami. I mean, beat, beat some good guys in there too. Beat the corpse of Paulo Filo, you know, but he's the, what, 38 years old, um, 37 years old. 
I don't know, man. Or maybe they got to give him far, far easier people to fight. You know, maybe I'm giving, I'm not giving Kermitson enough credit, but big, to, big to be, win. To, for, to be fair, he, he got a tricky Armin guillotine on David Branch. And when I was watching, I was like, I don't really know what he's going for here. It looked like he was trying to get his back. And then he got in a really deep Armin guillotine, which you don't see a lot. It was kind of a tricky submission. So you have to give him some credit for, oh, yeah. you know, pulling it out. Like, and, and it wasn't one of those things where like, he just like shoved him to the ground and got it. Like, you know, he got him in. It was in a weird position where David Branch didn't think he was in any trouble and wasn't really panicking. He tried to stand up and he just snatched it up. It was it was a good move by uh, Jack Hermanson for sure. Um, big win for him. This was on actual ESPN, right? Yeah, that was huge for him. So, um, was I don't know how well they did considering they were going against um some pretty goddamn big basketball games happening for the college uh for the March Madness <coughs> NCAA tournament. Um, Michelle Watterson. I'm sorry, Josh Emmett, Michael Johnson. Mike, did you see Michael Johnson go stiff like a goddamn board and just tip over? Just tip the fuck over. <laughs> uh, yes, and I was happy to see that that happened twice in this uh in this card. Michael Johnson and Edson Barbosa had a bit of that like, you know, that cold, that toes curling uh, stiffness to them in their knockout. You know, I feel bad for, for Michael Johnson because for about two and a half rounds, you know, he was using movement. He wasn't allowing himself, you know, to really get drawn into the type of fights that Michael Johnson will lose. And I mean, Josh Emmert, he, he had a good fight. I mean, one thing I noticed was that throughout the fight, he kept doing that like level change, uh, faint. And I think at the end, that's what you know, led to that knockout because like he like level changed and then right above, like right after that level change just came with that alpha male overhand, right? Um, yeah. Two big knockouts now for Josh Emmett. Didn't get a bonus for either one of them. First one, <clears throat> he missed weight. This one, I'm just going with the Dana White doesn't like him. I think that's a reasonable presumption. Um, Michael Johnson, man, all the talent in the world physically, but just seems like he just can't get it going between his ears, you know? This makes it sound dumb. I didn't mean it like that, but he not he did seem to look like he was starting to feel himself in that third round and started yeah. doing more exaggerated movements. And yeah, knowing like knowing the outcome already, I started thinking, oh no, this is how he loses. Yeah, honestly, his last one, two, three, four, five, six. He's got he's two of his last four, and one of those I really don't think he beat Andre Feely, and the other one's Artem Lobov, which went over the goat, takes care of the rest. Um. It's yeah. fight like this that makes it feel dirty to pick Michael Johnson, as I did. It's like, I picked him, but this is why I don't feel confident. Is I could, Yeah, I could see this outcome. This outcome was fully believable. Here's my hot take on this fight. Do you think Dana doesn't like uh, Emmett because of like an uncanny valley thing? Like, he's too close to him himself, and he's like, he doesn't like it? <laughs> that might be it. This is like, this is what I, maybe it might be like a, man, this is like, if this I is got like if Dana White taught boxing, not boxer sizing. And like he actually could punch. Oh, this is like you know, if, Dana, if Dana got in shape. He's like, man. Doesn't doesn't Josh Emmert kind of look like Dana White's character in uh, the UFC game? God, I forgot he's even Probably. in the game. Less yeah. tattoos, I'm sure. Um, I just wanted to chime in. I mean, I really enjoyed this fight a lot. Uh, the first round wasn't super eventful, but I kind of thought 
Josh Emmett just, he landed a couple bigger power punches in that first round. I thought he just did enough maybe to steal it. But what I love the second round, Michael Johnson, just like his confidence was just beaming in that second round. He was letting his hands go. He wasn't even countering Josh Emmett's like takedown attempts with like sprawling and getting clinches. He was throwing punches and you can see he was confident in himself. And I was just like, man, like, and I kind of forgot, like, this is why Michael Johnson gets so many fight of the night, because when he lets his hands go and he's mentally just in the game, he's extremely dangerous and hard to catch. And then what I loved was I thought at that point, like, oh, especially Bobby, I remember this is my audio cut out. But in the beginning of this fight, I still had it. And it said like, oh, Josh Emmett, you know, he hasn't fought in a year because he's just recovered from multiple facial fractures. And I was like, why did I pick this dude? He's in a fight. He got got knocked out so badly. He said he still has parts of his face that are numb from his last loss. Yeah. So there's literally cracks in his Why is he allowed to fight? (laughs) And I'm just like, oh, man, I picked this guy. This was a bad move on my part. And that second round, I was just like, and Michael Johnson just looks so confident, so in control of this fight. And I loved in the third round, Josh, he turned it around. He started using, like, like Mike was saying, a little bit more head movement. It was able to lock. I mean, it, it wasn't just that Michael Johnson, you know, the, the toes curled and he fell back like a giant tower. That replay, you see when he crushed his dome, the big line of drool that spits out of his face, that's fucking highlight real shit there. That's going to be going on the UFC uh, reel for a while now. So I honestly, I went to the, I went to the Wicked page only to see like... A, Josh Emmett and Michael Johnson got that fight of the night, right? Because that was easily, I only saw four fights. There could have been something on the undercard that was awesome that could have stolen it. But then when I saw it was Gaethje and Edson Barboza, I was like, that's a great fight. You know, Justin did his thing. But like, this was a fucking fight. There was pendulum swings. But, you know, that's just me. You know, I'm just. But, but, but Mark, man, no, no, no. Michael Johnson stiffened up and fell like he got hit with a Petrificus Totalis, man. That thing was crazy. You can throw whatever crazy words you want. I love the spit flying out of the face. The only thing would have been better if it was a big thing of blood, but <laughs> Sorry, brother, right. guys. it was great. It was all, it was all, all of those things combined make it for an awesome knockout, which he didn't get performance of the night either. They really don't fucking like, they don't like him. I'm telling you, that's the only explanation. I, yeah, I'm just saying, um, Michelle Watterson had the best performance of her UFC career, if not her entire career in a big, big win over, um, Miss Carolina Kolovolkiewicz, uh, despite the crowd accidentally rooting for her or not rooting for her. We were really clear about that. We really didn't sort that out, guys. Um, Michelle just fought. So it was her best performance you're ever going to see. She got a clean 30-27 across the board. Stefan, I know we didn't pick her, but goddamn. <laughs> I mean, I was made to feel really bad about not picking her. A uh, friend of the podcast, uh, our listener, Jackie, who's been a guest in the past, um, it was around Friday night. She was tagging me in all these uh, Michelle Watterson posts on Instagram. And she's like, oh, stuff on. It's your favorite. It's the one you always talk to me about. And I was like, oh, yeah, but I didn't pick her. Um, but like you said, best performance of her career. I, I, I don't think there were any qualifiers. Absolutely the best performance of her career. Because everything that was all my inclinations to not pick her, she proved me wrong. She was incredibly assertive. I think that's the one thing she did really well in this fight compared to her fights historically. She, she took center. She was aggressive with her kicks. You know, uh, sometimes she'll just use her kicks to really measure and keep distance, but she was throwing them aggressively. You saw Carolina's legs getting, um, you know, really nicked up. Her hands were just landing better. Uh, you know, like it really showed on Carolina's face. She ate a lot of the strikes in this. And uh, while I said she's a great grappler, she sometimes struggles in the takedown department because she's not really a wrestler. She more so relies on takedowns or throws and trips. Uh, but she got that headlock throw, the same one we saw 
her land on Paige Van Zant more or less. And the armbar she got Carolina in, I don't know how that didn't tap Carolina. Uh, Carolina must have a double jointed elbow because that was in deep. That was bent gnarly. And somehow Carolina twisted out of it. You heard Dominic like exclaiming, "Like, damn, these women are just too damn flexible." Yeah, Carol- um, Carolina's made of iron, man. Like, it takes a lot. That's why when Adraj put out Carolina down, everybody was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, I'm glad uh, Michelle's getting this big platform. I, I think ESPN is going to do a little. Thir- I don't know if it's a thirty for thirty, like a little mini doc highlight on her. I don't think um, it's a thirty. It's like. I, I saw they were advertising it before, and it was like one of their morning shows. They were doing some kind sure. of special on her, but yeah. Um, she hit, uh, I was talking to Bobby, she hit a million followers on Instagram today. Uh, that's pretty big for MMA fighters to get that type of following. The only uh, ones who have crossed the million threshold in followers are like the champions. So for being a non-champion, that's great for her. That's great name value. That's great exposure for her. Um, yeah, super, super happy for her. Uh, people mentioned in kind of post uh write-ups i was reading like she's a wme client so don't be shocked if they fast track her to a title shot um and i'm not going to complain i like her a lot too but why would you, oh, some of them are just clients huh <laughs> okay she's, th- she's three in a row and she wants it so, so we just go away conspiracy theory now i mean huh? whether you believe she can take it that's another thing but no no no, no. i don't mean conspiracy know. theory it's just like i mean like if you're gonna like it's weird to be like both in a client of the company and then like they work and fight. It's like, I don't know. It's a, but I'm saying it's yeah, not, I see, no, I, I see your point. Yeah. She, I see she's your point. doing well. She's knocked out a formal t- title contender. She has a win streak. You know, it's like, if she's not next, she's in the top three. So it's not unreasonable. Well, but again, she had an amazing performance. I'm really happy for her on the inverse. I think this says a lot about Carolina too, in a bad way. Um, Carolina seems to have stagnated. She, she can't, she's not good enough striking to command it. She can't really take it down to take it there. So it's like she's she's in a bad spot. Um, and as someone we also really like, I I don't know what she does to improve short of like a, a camp reboot. Something needs to something's got to give in her camp. Yeah, um, I saw I did see, by the way, Michelle Waterson's little daughter convince Dana White to buy like a thousand boxes of Girl Scout cookies. That was adorable. Um, Michelle Waterson saying she deserves a title shot over. Nina Ansaroff and Tatiana Suarez, which apparently are the two other choices. I don't really care what order they do it in. That belt belongs to Tatiana Suarez is whenever she gets her hand on whoever holds it, whoever's holding it. I honestly believe that shit. Because that girl's a goddamn Tasmanian devil. And she's coming to take every... They gotta give them two girls at once. Um, so, so you counting out my girl Rose already? Well, I think Rose is gonna have her hands full in Brazil, man. Jessica Andrade is... Woo! Woo! Just, woo, you know, um, no, I just think, I mean, I'll, I, they're all good choices, man. Michelle Waterson doesn't get a title shot. Whichever one gets a title shot, have the other two fight each other. You know, I don't know. It's just nice. There, there's, there's depth in this division. There's a line of girls at this point where it's like, yeah, this is a, in strawweight's the new division, right? Oh, strawweight, flyweight is a new division. Strawweight's the one that, Joanna, Joanna's, Joanna's stranglehold let go and Rose hasn't fought in like a year. So there we go. Right, but it's just nice to have a division where it's like we have contenders lined up. And I mean, and just to, to go off stuff, one of the things I was even more impressed with with Watterson was she did get the head and arm takedown, which is kind of her bread and butter. But honestly, that's like that's a move that if these girls start training for it is very reversible. You can use the momentum of that head, head and arm takedown to reverse it. So what I really liked was she got a fucking clean ass single on uh, Carolina, too, in the third round where she ran the pike. 
cut the hip off. And that was a really good takedown, showing diversity in there. Fantastic performance from Watterson. And I agree with Stefan. I don't know if it's politics or what, but that, that performance against that caliber of fighter puts her in the conversation, right? And if she's next or after the, the title fight, you know, we'll see if she has to fight an eliminator, but she's in the conversation. She's one or two fights away and good for her. You know, she really turned things around. ESPN was on the train last year too. They put her in the body issue. Was that last year or something like that? Six, seven months ago at least? No, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're on board. Well, uh, we'll she's very marketable. She's personable. She's cute. I mean, She's, sure, her, 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 her child's adorable. Her whole story is great. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. really, I mean, every, every avenue you look is like, yeah, this is just a great person to highlight. Let's let's put some money behind it. So um, I'm not even mad about it. And then uh, Paul Craig got himself the, a performance bonus. Well, I guess it was a cool triangle choke. Uh, you know, you're talking about Gaethje and all his fight of the nights. There needs to be a uh, inglorious worst fight of the night award because this fight deserves it. This, and he got performance. You, you're talking about a performance of the night, and this tells me you didn't see it. This was the one of the worst, sloppiest, most foul-ridden fight I'd ever seen. Paul Craig spends the whole fight trying to butt scoot and pull guard, and the other dude just can't stop grabbing the fence, can't stop holding the top of the fence, can't stop putting his fingers through the fence. I think uh, the referee gives him like seven warnings before finally taking a point, and then as soon as he takes a point, what does he do? He poke Craig in the eye. And then I'm pretty sure there was a nut shot. This was a slog of a fight to get through. And then suddenly Paul Craig got a triangle and the fight was over. It was, it's kind of like that mere crow cop fight where like, what the hell am I watching? Oh, boom. The fight's over. Wow. It ended. That, that was, that was, was awful. that uh, real quick for MMA history for people out there. That was a card when they were still doing separate knockout and submissions of the night. And the only knockout on the card was Frank Mir knocking out crow cop. And they didn't give him knockout of the night. Just letting you guys know how bad that fight was. That was the main event of a pay-per-view that I think we might have been in Syracuse, and I'm pretty sure we paid money for it, Mike. I'm not <laughs> positive, but I'm pretty sure we paid money to watch that thing live. Um, it was that bad. Um, all right, so UFC is not going to have a card until uh, two weeks, I believe, is when we're going to be on pay-per-view. So. Is it the pay-per-view yeah. next? Where pay-per-view, quite frankly, real quickly, it could not matter. Like real quickly, because like there's two fights that there's there's two fights that matter. They're both interim title fights. The UFC could decide the two days two days after that card's over that both those interim champions, whatever, and we all just move on. So uh, yeah, but two awesome goddamn fights. Max Holloway, yeah, and Dustin Poirier. I think Poirier. that's kind of the bigger takeaway. Yeah, Maybe I know. The they didn't. Mean honestly, the championships, day, the champion, the championships don't mean anything to me anymore, man. <laughs> like I mean, it's, it's still, just still gives- BS that an actual champion of theirs is fighting for an interim championship. Why does it? He should just get a title shot. <laughs> That's fine with me too. And again, if you told Dustin Poirier, "Do you want a title shot at 145 pounds?" He wouldn't have said no. Just saying, we could have done it. Um. Anyway, Eddie Alvarez and uh, um, Demetrius Johnson made their one FC debuts this past uh, early Sunday morning in the U.S. Um, a card that had a lot of title fights. One, two, three, four title fights. Um. Shinya Aoki took the lightweight championship off of uh, Edward. Stefan, you said it last week. How do you say the kid's last name? Fola-Yang. Fola-Yang. No longer the champion because Shinya Aoki took that shit from him. Uh, Angela Lee tried to become a champ champ and moved up at 1 to 115. Did not work out for the young lady. Um, Still one of our favorites um, just because, well, she's awesome. Um, Lost in the fifth round. um, Brutal fight with uh, Zhang or Zhang... 
J- I don't know say her name. Jing Jinang Jing Jingnan, um, got themselves a new middleweight champ. Got themselves a middleweight champion and Ong Lanuang who kept his belt. Bibiano Fernandez, I'm pretty sure he became champion because the uh, champion cheated. He won by DQ. Um, but really, what we need to talk about is um, Eddie Alvarez went out there, fought four minutes, and Mark he got knocked the fuck out. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just watched the fight, and when I heard that he lost, I want, I'm not surprised at this point. Um, I mean, Eddie's just the type of fighter who, throughout his career, has taken a lot of damage, and at some point, the wheels start to shake a little bit, and you can't quite take the hits. Um, I, I just watched the fight uh, before we got on air, and it was a good fight. You know, I don't know anything about Timofey Nastukin, mm. um, but I mean, he, he was a strong competitor right? like this guy was built he's obviously a guy who had a lot of fights probably under his belt i want to know because he doesn't have a wikipedia page i can't really did not do much research on him but he wasn't a slouch but at this point you know um and eddie looked all right in the fight you know he was in there he was throwing shots um it didn't look like he had lost a step it was really he got he ate a left hook in his face and i don't know if it hit the eye weird or something but he was grabbing his face and winking his eyes and then the dude just turned it on and eddie just kind of crumpled and um like I said, it wasn't super, you know, I wasn't shocked by it because I think at this point, you know, if you can really, you know, if you have a strong striker um, and you can hit Eddie, you know, I think at this point he used to take a hard hit and keep fighting. And at this point, I just don't know if he has that in him anymore. Um, I think the if you're looking at that kind of the silver lining of this, this is kind of a good scenario for one FC because you don't just want to get a bunch of American fighters who people know really well and they just stomp through everybody. Because you don't build other stars off of that. Having Eddie lose to this guy, now people know who this guy is. And the next time he fights in this tournament, we'll have a little more context. Like, he beat Eddie. That's something that you can really you hang Marcus, your Marcus, I thought on. you were going the other way with that. I thought you were going to say, Eddie's not in the tournament, so you can just give him a title shot. Uh, well, I mean, I he'd have to wait until after the tournament's done and stuff. I mean, you could do that. It wouldn't create a great president or anything. But really, my, my takeaway was... This is because even before we were talking about like we were talking about we're like, we're like, oh, man, this card is really stacked. And I was like, yeah, it's stacked. It's all lopsided. It's like I know I know who this fucker is and I know I'm really well. I'm a big fan of his. I don't know who this guy is. I can't even learn who he is because I can't check, check Wikipedia. I'm not going to do my own share dog search. That's way too he much. Is, he is 13 and he is 13 and four now, this gentleman. And he is a toys 13 and four with. 11 finishes in his 13 wins. Yeah, Young. and I had no doubt that whoever these guys were facing, Demetrius Johnson, that their their counterparts were going to be comparable. They're going to be the best of the best that 1FC has because they want to test the new signees, right? And even uh, DJ in the fight we'll talk about next um, apparently had a tough first round, right? He, he kind of, you know, was tested as well. So that's a good thing too. It would be really anticlimactic if Eddie and DJ just went in and kind of just stomped over everybody and they just became champion and no one could touch them and it was just kind of boring right and 1FC doesn't get to build new fighters for us to follow because the guys we knew just stomp and honestly I'd probably even lose interest eventually just be like okay it's just like yeah they're running because that's what happened with Ben right we liked Ben he went over to 1FC we never knew who he was fighting he just always won and it was just kind of like eh whatever he's fighting he'll wrestle this guy and get a win so it's good that there's some upsets right and it kind of changes things around and they potentially have a new star in their hand potentially you know who knows yeah and then Mighty Mouse Johnson also fought um he had a tough first round um what was the kid's name he fought um Yuya Wakamatsu yeah, Yuya Wakamatsu um, put some hands on DJ, got him a big old mouse under his eye. Um, what I wanted to point out about DJ's performance is I this was a utilization of some rules that I know Mark's a big fan of. 
So DJ had the kid in a front the ending sequence. It was DJ had him in like a front face lock on the ground, a position where you really can't throw. You can't, you know, throw knees to the head in the United States, but you sure as fuck can in one FC. So the guy couldn't just hang out there. DJ starts landing a couple really good knees to the kid's head. Guy gets up and tries to like drive a single. But DJ pops his hips out. I'm describing this probably poorly for people who actually know jujitsu. But he kind of pops his hip and cinches in the choke. Gets the guillotine. Um, Marcus, I know you're a big fan of knees to the ground and opponent. It really, there's consequences for failing on a takedown. More so than you're just not, like, you're going to get kneed in the fucking head if someone sprawls on you, right? Uh, I, I mean, honestly, and I, we talked about it quite a bit on the shows but like i love knees to the ground and, and bobby and i didn't get to watch this whole event yeah have they finally got away with the rule where like the referee has to okay kicks and knees because that was always very weird to me and it just made it it made the fighter have to think about what the referee's doing instead of just concentrating on what's going on so did they clarify that in this i, I thought it was for soccer kicks is what it, it might was just be soccer kicks. because so i remember free and well that came from when roger huerta was down and Nobody was doing anything, and then the guy kicked his head like it was a fucking field goal. Yeah, and everybody I mean, Andre Orlovsky kicked Tim Sylvia, and it was all weird. Oh, uh, Andre didn't care. Andre wanted to kick Tim Sylvia. No, in the head. but it was just like I, I, I never. I, if you're gonna do this rule set, just have it be soccer kicks and knees are just illegal. Having this thing where the referee has to okay it just means the fighter has to literally take his focus off the fight and be like, "Is it okay if I do a thing to him now?" Oh, it is? Okay, now I'll do it. That's just like, no, that's so backwards. You can't have this guy having another conversation with the referee while you're in a fucking fight. I just think that's so dumb. But I love knees, and and you're right, Bobby. Not only does there's certain positions you can't stall in, you can't shoot a takedown and get sprawled on and just sit there and be like, okay, well, he might take my back. Maybe I'll try to drive in deeper for this. Like, no, you're fucking getting knees right on. This is a very dangerous position you put yourself in. North-South becomes a fucking murder alley because you can just rain knees down on people like we saw Kevin Randleman. And in this fight, I didn't see much of it, but DJ, when he gets side mount, that's another... Side mount is a great position to be in on top. It is tough to do a lot of uh, offensive moves when you don't have knees to work with as well. You're kind of really just looking for crucifixes so you can really let your hands and elbows go. When you add in knees to the head it really becomes a dangerous position to be in. And I think that just, I, and I just, I well, love this rule set because it makes positions where there's limited things you can kind of do, puts you in a completely different world. It changes the game around on its head. And now it's like, you're in side mount. This is fucking dangerous. And if he gets north south on you or sprawl, like these are really bad positions to be in. And I just love it. I think it makes the sport more exciting. Mike, as the newest MMA fan, even though you're like 10 years in at this point, does this mm. type of stuff, does that type of thing that like, you got a strong reaction? Do you like what's your line, or do you think like you know, knees to a ground opponent just makes sense to you? I think the only thing I've ever thought, well, that's just really barbaric, were essentially the soccer kicks. Um, that I don't, I know, I know Mark um, has a different view on soccer kicks. I think we've talked about it before on the on the podcast, but for me, I don't think that really has anything to do with MMA. Um, but no, when it comes to, to the knees that are in 1FC, no, I think that's fine. That seems like a more actual tactical thing that if you're not careful when it comes to takedowns and things like that, you're going to get punished. Yeah. Um, big card for though, man. You know what? You put on seven fight main card and everything's a main, everything has a finish. I guess it could be worse. Um, and Andy Sawyer um, went out, one of the best kickboxers in the world, went out there and fucking lost. 
So uh, that happened too. And I don't, uh, it, it was a kickboxing match, but they wore MMA gloves and it's just like, all right, whatever. <laughs> well, what, what's his name has a league in Australia that is essentially, it's kickboxing with MMA gloves in a cage. It's, um, what's the name of the Australian cat? Fuck. Elvis Sinisek. Yeah, you know, do you know any Australian kickboxers? Oh, um, you know what I'm talking uh, Jane, about Jane Wayne, Jane Wayne Parr. Oh yeah, yeah, John, uh, Wayne, John, Parr. John Wayne, John Wayne Parr. John Wayne yeah, Parr. Yeah, is that him? Yeah, it's him. That was okay. him. I think that's that league. He that sounds interesting to me. Anyway, I mean, it's cool. It's just weird. It's like you have a whole sport with special gloves and stuff. It's just like you don't. All right, whatever. Um, let's do. Um, I guess we'll do stuff we like because I don't know if there's any MMA, MMA news beyond this. Um, I did. I'll tell you this though, guys. I just learned about uh, cameo. This thing you can do where you pay people to record shit, pay like famous people to um, record shit for you. We're like, uh, like you can get like athletes and get where I'm going. Let me tell you the roster. We have some options here. Okay. We can get Tito fucking Ortiz to bumble through an ad read for us. You're probably not supposed to use it on a podcast, but you know, we can get Tito Ortiz. What else would you use it for? Oh, you can say like, you know, wish somebody a happy graduation. Yada, yada, yada. Tito Ortiz, for the low price of $80, we Dude, can make some much. shit. We, we can get Randy Couture for 75 but you know it's going to be boring. Chris Lieben is 20 bucks. So okay, <laughs> that's more what I'm looking at, Bobby. Page Van Zandt, you know, God bless MMA. Oh, Page going to be like 120 bucks. Page, Page Van Zandt, 100 bucks. Frankie Edgar, 85 That adds up. Dennis Bermudez, $10. Here we go, Stefan. That's what we're going to do. We're going to pay Dennis Bermudez to say some shit. I wouldn't mind getting Paige Van Zandt, you know, out there saying, Michael, I love you. You can get the, you know, the giant Chuck Liddell mascot, the guy? You can pay that guy 20 bucks to do stuff. Man, I don't know some of these people. Like, I watch MMA and I don't know some of these people. Get Dennis Bermudez to say, Michael Sanchez beat me up five years ago. Kyle Kingsbury, 20 bucks. That might be the answer, guys. We're going to have a whole, we're going to, I'm going to put 50 bucks into this thing and see what we can get with it, man. Um, All right, let's do stuff we like. Um. We're gonna do the talk about uh, talk about the graps at the end, but let's lead off with uh, Mike here. What do you got this week? Yes, what I have this week is a stuff I confirm, and what I'm confirming is a stuff Bobby likes, which is Turn Up Charlie. Uh, I started watching a few episodes. To be clear, of it. Bobby hasn't watched it. He just thought it sounds an interesting concept. Wait, I thought you had watched it before. No, it looks ridiculous. I was hoping somebody would tell me if it's worth it. Go ahead, Mike. Oh. Well, uh, let me change it then from the stuff I confirmed to uh, stuff I like. It's uh, it's an entertaining show. It's not as ridiculous a show as you think it is. Like, it's not it's not Idris Elba there, like, you know, just doing a ton of drugs and being wacky. But it is still a pretty good show. That's it? It's just good? Yo, man, I like to leave a little mystery, you know? I tell you I, tell you I like it, go watch it. Why I gotta, why I gotta sell it? Marcus, go ahead. Yeah, uh, not a ton this week. I would just say that I'm still thoroughly enjoying Sekiro, having a lot of fun there. Um, not a lot of games coming out this week, but there's some stuff on Netflix and movies coming out. So I'm actually looking for, forward to the second season of Sabrina the Teenage Witch is coming out on Netflix. And, Already? Uh, yeah, they, they, Netflix doesn't fuck around. They turn well, it, was, shit it was less fast. than a year, wasn't it? That thing wasn't and, that long ago. Yeah, and they had like a special Christmas thing too. They, they really pumped that they one out. They think they British. I guess. Um, and then there's a couple movies coming out that I think uh, Captain... Wait, no, Shazam. 
Name's actually Captain Marvel, but that was already taken. So it's just him. Um, I heard really good things about it. And it looks fun. The trailers actually look like this is going to be a fun DC movie. So I'm kind of excited to see if I can watch that. And I've heard good things I about think it's BS that. I still think it's what? BS that they had to change his name from Captain Marvel to Shazam. Because Captain Marvel in the Marvel Universe had been around for... I mean, from in the DC Universe, had been Before. around for a long time Oh, as yeah. Because, well. I mean, it was Miss Marvel until not that long ago. Like, the 2010s. They were like, they re... Well, did. I mean, there was also sure. Captain Marvel from like the 70s or 60s. Oh, yeah. The, I mean, well, yeah. I mean, the, the I think the guy she gets her powers from is Captain Marvel. And that's why she kind of took Miss Marvel. But yeah, no, I mean, I heard, I heard Shazam is actually supposed to be a pretty fun, good movie. So I'm actually kind of excited to see it. And I don't know much about Pet Cemetery. I never really saw the original, but there's a remake happening. So that's a thing. That's it. Right on, oh, Stefan. It's got that iconic line of uh, some things are better left dead. <laughs> I mostly know it some from South Park references. But I mean, that, well, that's what it is. It's a yeah. Pet Cemetery reference. Uh, Stefan, do you have anything you want to talk about before we get into the grass? Uh, yeah, a couple quick hits. Um, cheers to uh, my Oregon Ducks still going. The uh, men bowed out in the Sweet 16, but uh, the fellas had a tremendous run after a season that was mostly in the tank after uh, some bad injuries early in the year. So making a Sweet 16 run was more than any of us could have hoped for. Uh, cheers to the women uh, for the first time in Oregon history. They're going to the Final Four. Um, I like their chances to win. Their best player is uh, Sabrina Ionescu. She's a triple-double machine. She does step back threes like Steph Curry. She's from Walnut Creek, grew up a uh, Golden State Warrior fan, so she's local to the area that we kind of grew up in. I believe uh, Bobby lives there now. Um, but, you know, cheers to the Ducks. You know, go, go, Lady Ducks. Hope you bring home the championship. Um, over on Netflix, I finally got around to the uh, newest three episodes of High Score Girl, um, an anime that we have mentioned in the past. Um, you know, we, we threw a lot of hyperbole at it, saying possibly our favorite anime series of all time, or at least among them. Um, and these three episodes have only tugged at the heartstrings even more. Um, it hits a lot of sentimental notes, and I still think it's a fantastic series. Really excited to see a second uh, full season has been confirmed for the fall. So uh, definitely looking forward to that. And then on a more casual note with Netflix, uh, I saw one of my all-time favorite movies was up there. Uh, I mentioned a Mark. I put it on to like thinking, oh, you know, I'll watch this going to sleep. I just ended up watching it. Um, I think it's one of the greatest action movies of all time. And I'm talking about Kung Fu Hustle. Um, just magic as an action movie, martial arts movie. Perfect. The humor holds up. The aesthetics were like in the 1940s, so you know it doesn't look dated or anything. Action is still great. Um, if you haven't seen Kung Fu Hustle and you like action movies, go on Netflix tonight. Do yourself a favor, watch Kung Fu Hustle. Right on. All right, folks. Any of you, those of you who don't like wrestling, um, feel free to bow out. Though, see you later. Yeah, you just, like no, no, just listen to John Oliver and pro wrestling is better than the stuff you like. Yes, that is true. Um, so this is how I feel. I see us going through the wrestling section here. Talk about John Oliver real quick. Talk about TakeOver real quick. And then we're going to get into this mess of a WrestleMania card. Sound good, guys? Oh, and we got betting odds. Sounds great. We, we got, got betting odds. Mike, you got that article ready? Yeah, we're, we're picking we're goddamn WrestleMania. Odds. <laughs> um, so we talked about it at the beginning a little bit. So John Oliver, people are familiar with the show, always has a major topic to go through. In a week, and he chose this week to talk about uh, the WWF or WWE, um, and a good week to do it because this is WrestleMania, and what 
and John and the WWE stock dropped three percent uh, today. And uh, this is also the time of year Vince makes his money, so the money went in the opposite direction. Um, long story short, a good summary of what they're talking about is very applicable to MMA. Is that WWE wrestlers are treated and compensated like they're independent contractors? <coughs> Pardon me. Um, meaning they are not not employees. Meaning that. The company is not responsible for paying for certain things. Um, and the argument isn't that in being an independent contractor is bad. The argument is that they are not independent contractors. Because to be an independent contractor means you're not being treated as an employee. And not being. And if you're an independent contractor, sign, signing an exclusive contract to only work for one company has already ceased the definition of what an independent contractor is. Does that sound familiar, MMA fans? Um, yeah, the WWE wrestlers have been considered independent contractors for all of history, all wrestlers in general, because prior to the 1980s, wrestling, uh, prior to prior to WrestleMania, really, wrestler wrestling was all territorial. So yeah, you travel from territory to territory. And it made sense to be an independent contractor. Now there's a Goliath, and has been the case for years, and they still treat them like independent contractors. And they don't pay for health insurance. They don't pay for their expenses, the road expenses. They aren't paying the social security tax. The wrestlers have to pay their own social security taxes. If you look at your paycheck now, you guys see that you guys get social security taxes taken away out if you're an employee. The, you'd, you'd pay twice that, essentially. The part your company pays up, picks up, independent contractors to pick up. If you follow any like WWE wrestlers on social media, you'll quickly learn uh, they all fly coach. And uh, they have to rent a lot of cars. Yeah. You fly coach? Oh, yeah. yeah. They're just sitting they, with regular people. And they road trip more often than not. More often Every than night. Flying, every, every, like, yeah, we're going to drive. They have, they, have a, they have a show on their WWE network, which is literally like, we got to drive these people. These people are like, this guy just wrestled a six-man tag. Now it's one in the morning. He's going to drive from Boston to Philly. Roman like, Reigns has got to climb in his 2015 Corolla. That he rented and drive 800 miles upstate so he can make the house show. I mean, look, some of it's about this is the business and now the business is done. But like some of it is, is the WWF taking advantage of these people and not setting up a pension or anything like that. And um, I thought it was a really well done piece. It was clearly done by somebody who's a fan um, for people like me. And uh, I think Stefan and Mark, I don't know if you learned anything. Mike, you might have. It wasn't new any any new information for me. Um but what John Oliver does well is he exposes, he puts, a, he shines a light on this stuff, and it's very. He puts, he does it in a way with jokes that is easy for people to get into it and get sucked in real quickly. And you know, he does it with stuff that are far less interesting in wrestling. He does it with trade or, you know, like NAFTA. And so, oh, I said yeah, trade they, again, basically. They, they take really complex issues and break it down so anyone can understand. And in this particular case, it's not really that complex. Well, it, Dude is yeah. just screwing his employees, so. Yeah, and then what is he? I like the approach of also like John Oliver's clearly a fan, so he put it in the right terms of like, look, he's not just being like, oh, wrestling is fake, and like he did, he just came from, I love this thing, basically. You could tell he, he's a big fan, but it's fucked how this company treats their people. Um, I thought it was great. I mean, Mike, I know you weren't, uh, you're not as, you know, you don't have the background as being a wrestling fan that the three of us do. What did you think about it? Well, a lot of it I had already known already. Um, the one thing I didn't know that really did sound eerily um, familiar um, to anyone who's been an MMA fan for the last five years is the thing about being an independent contractor. And man, it doesn't make sense 
how the UFC gets away with it. How in the world does the WWE get away with it? These people are, you know, advertised heavily, all of the wrestlers. Um, I mean, as John Oliver stated in his thing right on the website, it says we don't have the WWE without our entertainers, i.e. our wrestlers. So it's really hard to even just with that little bit think, okay, yeah, these guys are independent contractors. They can leave whenever they want. And man, to not even be offered health insurance. I mean, even really, really bad, you know, jobs that you can find here where you have a minimum wage, they offer health insurance. If you that's, have that's 50, amazing. If you have 50 employees, you have to offer it. And they have how many hundred none. people on a contract? They have no employees. No, they have employees. They'll work on the contract. Roadies. They, the roadies get health insurance. Yeah, all the all the agents, cigar self insurance, all the office staff, all the writers, they're all employees of the company. But the big show got no health insurance. No. Big Gary Gary that carries the equipment in. Yeah, he hurts it's, himself. It's, we want to make sure Gary's okay. His back well, it's also out. like the people are to make the argument. It's like, well, I bet like, you know, Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns and all these people make a lot of money. They can afford their own health insurance. That's not the fucking point. That's not the point. Yeah. That's, they shouldn't have to. There's, there's, there, it's, 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 there's, bills? I was into the emergency room recently. You know how much they charged me on the bill, on the itemized bill for one Tylenol? They charged me $38 for one fucking Tylenol. Yeah, and Stefan like only had one Tylenol? cage match that night. Yeah, one, yeah, the one match only. Yeah, exactly. Two, two chair shots and went through I mean, one it's really, it's, I don't it's do minor shows, guys. <laughs> TV only. It's an abuse of the labor regulations of this country where other places, who other people who run businesses who are doing the right thing when they have reached a certain number of employees and making sure they break, they don't break rules. They're skirting it, and you ask how the UFC gets away with it, it's because they're looking at Vince McMahon. They're like, if this motherfucker has gotten away with it for 35 goddamn years, I can get away with it, okay? That's why the UFC doesn't call it uh, call it uh, a uniform. Employees wear uniforms, you know? <laughs> Independent contractors don't. They wear fight kits, you know? They're outfit. And I mean, I'd always, I always knew Vince McMahon was an a-hole, but it was nice to see some more visual proof of it. Um... Because I know I had always seen the video of when Vince McMahon tried to jump into the ring on that botched Royal Rumble and he blew out both his quads and he was just there all mad and stuff, sitting down, directing the action. But that was just funny. When he, you know, when he slapped them papers out of Arcatane's... Arcatane? I don't know exactly. I had not seen that. So that was... That was amazing. Yeah, if you also want to see some more of Vince McMahon being a psychopath, you look up Vince McMahon and Bob Costas because Bob Costas is kind of like a smug son of a bitch and Vince does not do well with that. That's when he's just questioning Vince about all the sex and violence on his TV show. <laughs> Vince didn't you know, do well you know in that Vince interview. He just asked him well legit questions. Yeah. You know what Vince also doesn't do well with? Sneezing. He gets Man. angry when he's... We, we've talked he, about this. He, will, a, and a he will end a meeting if, someone, if that person sneezes. Yeah, he's a crazy person. Look, Vince McMahon is a very important part of my childhood. I love pro wrestling. I'm grateful that wrestling exists, and he's the reason that it's gotten as big as it has. He's one of the people. But he treats his employees like shit. They're employees. It's what they are. Stefan, you were going to say something? Oh, this is it. Well, you know, it's, it's been such common knowledge to us that, like, pro wrestlers die early. It's just a fundamental fact. If you, like, look at a list of, like, wrestlers who died before 50, it's the goddamn Hall of Fame of pro wrestling. Like, those are all the big names, you know? Like, uh... So just for him to have the audacity, like that was his response. I hadn't seen that interview of all the things I'd seen. For his, for him to be asked, like, 
what do you have to say about all these deaths in pro wrestling? And he's like, why don't you ask yourself that? Like, yeah, that's like a, it's like getting a sa- it's like getting a sandwich or like you're getting a burger. Like, and you go to the rug up to the front and say, "Hey, man, why isn't there any cheese on my cheeseburger?" And the guy's like, "I don't know. Why isn't there any cheese on your cheeseburger?" Well, like, what, what the fuck like, does that like, mean? He answered his own answered his own yeah. question. He's like, "What? What? What do you? What do you think? Like, whatever." He like threw it back at him. Is like, "Yeah, I thought to myself, this would be a good question to ask Vince fucking McMahon when I'm interviewing him. That's what my play is on this. So you tell me the fucking answer." It was just great to literally watch him be defensive at first and then try to roll it back. It's like, why would you blame me? And then realizing like, oh, I'm there's no way out of this situation. I better whack this dude's paper. No, he thinks he's going to bully somebody on fucking camera. It's insanity. Like it's well, I mean, literally, that's what he does almost every night when he goes when he does his job. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really good. Well, really, really well done piece. Check it out. Um. That uh, Bob, that Roddy Piper clip. That's a lot of people stuck with. A lot of people. That's from an entire real sports expose. They tried. They did like ten years ago. Whatever, uh, maybe fifteen years ago. No, it's from 03. So it's like yeah. fifteen years ago. Insane. No, we know this thing. And Not you guys, are, hey, did you guys know that uh, the, Jesse the Body Ventura, uh, noted former governor and kind of crazy person, tried to un- unionize wrestlers prior to WrestleMania two, and somebody went and stooged it off to Vince McMahon, and. Uh, Hulk Hogan? Word. You're right. Oh, it was oh, Hulk wow. Hogan. Who else, who else do you think? Who no, else is pocket? The guy making it? the most oh. money, yeah. yeah. Speaking Hulk of Hogan, Hogan, Bobby, because you know I'm not going to miss a chance to make this connection. Uh, Hulk Hogan's best friend is being inducted into the Hall of Fame. And that is one Mr. Brutus the Barber Beefcake, who uh, we have a particular theory, Bobby. Okay, no, this is not even a theory. This is me. This is nightmare fuel for me and Stefan. Because... <laughs> When Hulk Hogan's wife, ex-wife, who confirmed yeah, this, when, when Hulk Hogan's wife was divorcing him, she said Hulk Hogan and Brutus the Barber Beefcase were fucking. And then <sighs> me and Stefan, I don't know if he said it to me or I said it to him. Where Stefan's like, it was imagine really a shower thought yeah. in pro wrestling for those uh, Reddit readers, and it was yeah. essentially when they were screwing. Do you think they did it in full gear? And you knew that Barber was holding the shears with that stupid look on his fucking face. And Hulk was flexing with the veins popping. And that image is just, we had this conversation, Stefan, and it's nightmare fuel. Like Kayfabe was still real at this time. Kayfabe was still in full swing at this time. You committed, you lived to the character. You were a method I, I Honestly, I'm not trying to be a dick. I, I guess, I get he was over, but I really thought it was a joke that Brutus and Barbara Beefcake is going to the Hall of Fame. I thought it was yeah. April Fool's. I mean, I thought it was a joke when Hoggy talked, man. We're just going for like the super gimmicks. In a couple years, am I going to get my childhood favorite, Doink the Clown? Is he going to be in there? Duke the Dumpster, Drosy the Trash Man? I, I mean, the Godfather's in the Hall of Fame, right? I mean, come on. Um... We're just waiting for D'Lo to get into the Hall of Fame. Let's be honest. D'Lo Brown, a favorite of this podcast. Mark just perked up, smiling his face. That I mean, he guy. should never go in the Hall of Fame, but I like D'Lo Brown. Uh, D'Lo is the best. There's literally a tag team in NXT where their finishing move is one guy does the sky high, then the other guy does the goddamn lowdown. Okay? Um. Anyway. Um. Okay, let's talk about NXT. Where Stefan, real quickly, I mean, on paper... This looks like it might be. I mean, we, all the takeovers are good, but I'm looking at this, and oh my god, like this is gonna be incredible. Um, which of the? I mean, let me let me go through the card real quickly. War Raiders versus Alistair Black and Ricochet for the tag belts. Pete Dunn versus Walter. I love Walter. I've told I've been, I've been you know hyping that guy up to Mark for at least a couple months now. For the UK title, Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole for the vacant title NXT title. 
Um, Shayna Baszler, Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, and Kyrie Sane for the women's championship. And the one I'm looking forward to probably the most. The Velveteen Dream defending his North American title against Matt Riddle. Um, Steph, which one uh, which one of these makes your socks roll, roll up and down the most? <laughs> um, it, It's tough to say. Uh you know, I, I love uh, Simon Miller's uh, the, his joking nickname for Alistair. He always refers to them as the uh, really well-known, uh, the famously known tag team of Alistair Black and Ricochet, since they were just kind of randomly crammed together in that weird NXT call-up. Um, but having seen Ricochet perform in a previous takeovers, he he is just a show stealer. Um, he kind of has a unique, one-of-a-kind athleticism that. You know, when when he knows he's on a bigger stage and he busts out the extra tricks, you you truly see things from him that you've never seen done before. Um, the match you mentioned, Riddle and Velveteen, that is just like a mega prospect match. Like I think they're two of the brightest pro wrestling prospects in years that are kind of getting the stage against each other. Um, for people who aren't super familiar with NXT, there's a very tried and true formula to their takeovers. They are five matches always. Um, and the thing you have to, why I think wrestling fans appreciate NXT is every match is given a legitimate opportunity to shine. They're all given at least 20 minutes. There's going to be like six false finishes each direction. Um, but, you know, on kind of the big WWE paper, you get squash matches, you get filler matches, you get joke matches. You know, just because they're on it doesn't mean they're actually going to tr- get a real opportunity to kind of show their stuff. But NXT always gives them that. Um, everyone has their spots. Everyone has their moments. So they're just quality matches if you enjoy the art of pro wrestling. Um, yeah, I think the one Bobby named is good. I, I think Ricochet. I'm excited to see the women. I think, you know, they are really, really good. Uh, when Bianca got to be on a takeover against Shayna, you know, in her first big stage, she was awesome. Kyrie's been awesome. I, and- I like that. I like that. Os- she's uh, that Shayna's kind of reached the Oscar level where they can't do one-on-one matches for her anymore. We got to send three people at once now and try to like, you know what I mean? Like we, got- <laughs> it's she's too powerful now. <laughs> and it's fun. And uh, you know, I'm excited to see Johnny take over. He usually does a Marvel themed outfit. Uh, for these events, he's been Spider-Man in the past. He's been the Punisher. Last one, he was kind of the retro brown and yellow Wolverine. Um, I mean, they're all going to be good. It's really going to be a matter of which one, what, what's going to be the worst one of the night. Yeah, I, I, I don't see, good. I don't see a scenario where any of these are bad. Like, I just think like one of them might be like, oh, okay, like that. Pete that's, Dunne I mean, and Walter, I understand the least because it's essentially a cruiserweight and a super heavyweight. So it'll be interesting what spots they can pull off. That's interesting also because Pete Dunne's held that belt of his for like two years. And Walter is just, I love Walter. He just chops the shit out of people. It's great. Um, I'm very excited for TakeOver. I'm a little bummed it's on Friday. I'm hoping that like there's like the pre-show or some shit or I don't know. Like I'm going to miss the beginning of this thing. I'm a little bit sad. Um, All right, guys. WrestleMania. Brock Lesnar. Seth Rollins. Stefan. Actually, let me, go to, let me go to Mike here. Mike, do we get Brock Lesnar dropping that belt so we finally see him fight fucking Daniel Cormier? Do you want the odds, Mike, before you make your official recorded counts in our standings pick? <laughs> wait, wait, we're not actually... No, we're not, Mike. What, oh, what, what, okay. what do you... Yes, of I, course I, we I, are. I didn't have anything prepared to write. You're going to get the pro wrestling asterisk on your championship year. Uh, so just to make sure, uh, are you giving me the odds for he's actually going to leave or odds that he's going to win? Oh, no, these these are match odds. These are like who's going to win. All right, hit me up. Seth Rollins is the favorite to dethrone Brock Lesnar at minus 160, plus 120 to Brock to retain. 
man, you know, I don't know because Brock's got to be thinking. I mean, this is nice, easy money, you know. Like, Roman, Roman's back. Roman's taking that belt next month, guys. Come on, let's be honest. Yeah, but I mean, Brock has a nice, sweet schedule. You know, he he comes, rolls in for like four events a year. You know, they probably pay him like what four or five mil, like for the year. That's not bad. If so, Mike, if he's if he's if he's gonna fight, it's gotta happen now. He's forty over forty years old. That's true. And he can always go back. I mean, look, Kurt Angle, like 60, and he's still fighting. So, you know what? I'm going to go with he's actually going to fight Daniel Cormier in about four to five months' time. So I have Roman Reigns. Um, <laughs> Seth freaking Rollins. Seth, Seth freaking. freaking. I really blanked out there. Seth Rollins taking the title. And then... And then Roman Reigns turns heel on his friend. And oh, yeah. Now, fight in SummerSlam. For yeah, now fight. that the dude's a goddamn cancer survivor and won't be booed immediately, Mike's calling for the heel turn now. Yo, no one would expect it. Man, this show's too long. Marcus, remember we watched it last year and you guys, it was last year or the year oh. before, you guys, we gave up like halfway man, through. Almost. Man, by <laughs> the way, that, uh, to circle it back, that super cut that John Oliver did of the eight straight minutes of booing, that was highly edited for TV. Mm. Of them just relentlessly going at Roman Reigns of the fuck you, Roman, <laughs> go away, all those things. That was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, long show. Um, the women are main eventing. Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair. Becky Lynch is essentially Stone Cold Steve Austin, right, guys? I mean, let's let's be straight here. Give her the damn belt. I really thought they should give her the Stone Cold Stunner as a finisher, but they gave it to Kevin Owens for some reason. It is now for both belts because they decided while they were cutting the balls off the women's division. Oh, it's a way weird way of putting it. While they were killing the SmackDown women's division last week, they figured they might as well put the belt on the line too. So Rebecca's going to be holding up two belts in the end of this night. So does this mean all the women are just going to be competing on Raw? It it's, means all the women, all the women are going to be on that battle royal. That's <laughs> what it means. It's a winner take all match, and I mean they're already doing it anyways. I thought like, oh, this is going to be their way to get Becky to just be on both shows, but it seems like they don't really care about the two brands things if they don't feel like it. It seems like it. Um, yeah, this is honestly like we're not going to go through this whole thing. It's impossible. Let's be straight about this. What's what actually? What do you like and what do you not like, Stefan? I li I like. I mean, the women's match. They have overbooked this crap somehow. Like, I felt it was not that complicated of a story. They've been hyping Becky versus Ronda since November. Just give us Becky versus Ronda. That's all you had to do. And they've. Yeah, why, why we had to include Charlotte Flair with her fine ass in there? Why we had to include her? I think, Mike, you answered your own question there. It's true. Mike, you want her <laughs> odds? She's plus 1,275. Put some money on that. Um, we got the guardian of the, the we, you know, DNA with a slide and her DMs. How about that? Ma Mark, does the fact that we got a guardian of the galaxy, old man Batista, taking on older man Triple H in here for some reason no holds barred, and Triple H loses, he might he must retire from in ring competition. Does any of that do anything for you, man? <laughs> These uh, old men. No, the uh, uh like what might people might allude to. I'm not super familiar with WWE's going on. But um, one of the YouTube guys I, or the groups I follow, the Easy Allies, Huber talked about, he basically said that if Batista doesn't come dressed out as Drax, it's a failure. <laughs> so I knew about that match. And he, the, should 
He should dress as fucking dread. What are we doing? He better uh, come. He, do we need? We need. We need to get somebody. Bring a fucking get a. They got a CGI a goddamn rocket raccoon on his goddamn back or something, man. I Make mean, it happen. He doesn't need green. He just wears the pants, the boots, and comes out carrying two giant daggers. I'm fucking. Yeah, you got to paint him up, right? Gray and red, or whatever, whatever colors he are. But the other, the other match that I know of, because I actually just saw an ad for it, which I think is kind of cool, because. It's one of these storylines, I, I guess, that's kind of more outside of what's actually being talked about. Maybe because I don't know, because I don't watch the product. But I know, wasn't it? Was it a, Elimination Chamber? Uh, Kingston kind of came in as a last-minute last replacement and kind of blew everyone's mind. And now he's fighting mm -hmm. against Daniel Bryan. Is is part of the storyline that people are just really impressed with that match, and he's getting the shot because of that? It's really the story is that Kofi is that the meta? Kofi's been doing this for eleven years. And everybody is, and they, you, you pretty much just needed a reason. They needed to like the match. And that, him going into that match, which was not planned because the guy who was going to be in the match was um, Mustafa Ali. Right. He got a concussion. So they had, they knew they'd throw Kofi in there. People like, you know, they can depend on him. And Co they had Kofi wrestle an hour, and it, it was what it took because people have talked about it for a long time about how Kofi never really got his just, we weren't watching. But apparently he never got his run. And um, my interpretation of the story, and I was joking at first, but I don't know how else to take it, Steph, is that is the story that Vince is kind of racist and doesn't want to give him a title shot? Because I don't get the other, any other argument what, what's going on. Well, one of the clips that uh, John Oliver decided to show last night about uh, uh, Vince's use of particular God, words would kind so of corroborate that there. this is canon. Uh, I believe that clip serves as evidence that this is uh, canon, that that is how we are supposed to take his millions of barriers and constant gauntlet matches for Kofi to be allowed this opportunity. It was just like the, the whole thing they keep saying, they don't, give they don't give chances to people like us. I'm like, what does us? What does people like us mean? If I'm not supposed to take this as racial? Uh, By the way, if Kofi doesn't win, oh my god, this was so uncomfortable for at least a month. To, to be honest, outside looking in, I always thought it was that they kind of found a winning thing with the the, the new day. Like that was kind of a thing they were trying, and it kind of just spun off and got bigger and bigger. And it never seemed like any of them were really singles competitors necessarily. Again, as someone who never watches. That was always my take from the outside in is just like, because he was really popular. I remember he was like a really popular wrestler. A lot of people were talking about he's kind of the next thing with uh, CM Punk. And they're kind of these lightweights that are getting it done. And then it always seemed to me that they kind of struck something kind of special with New Day. And at first it seemed like a gimmick. And then it spun off and obviously the YouTube stuff. And now they're just like, and they're really cool, fun personalities. I like to watch YouTube videos of and stuff. But that just seemed like he fit there. And they stop thinking of him as like a big single superstar. Yeah, you know what? How about, how about how about the disrespect of that match being the second match? I don't think that's the bad order, though. Honestly, if you're not going on, you want to go on really early on because this is going to take six hours. Can I can I chime in? Because kind of what the storylines of these kind of big matches we've mentioned so far, um, it's why I keep bringing up Charlotte Flair's odds. If you actually have a realistic chance to bet on this. I would say you should because there are three storylines that everyone believes to be true. People believe Seth Rollins is going to win because he's going to finally conquer the part-timer Brock Lesnar who doesn't respect the sport. The belt needs to be made relevant again. People think Kofi's going to – this is all leading to Kofi winning because he's deserved it. He's had this long run. He's been underappreciated for so long. People believe Becky's going to win it because she deserves it. She's been underrepresented. They are not giving you three happy endings on this card. I think that's why the Seth Rollins odds are moved the way they did. That's I think you're right, Stefan. That's why I think that's the one. 
That's for me. That's what I think is going to happen. I because I, I I think Charlotte Becky not winning. Do you know how much? anger there would be and becky just signed the big new contract so maybe say we're not gonna put the belt on you but here's your big payday you're gonna be paid like a big earner we're gonna drag this out longer they could get so much rage by becky not winning man do you really want do you think they're gonna get they want to get booed at their first day but they got all the stupid mainstream publicity that's all they care about about their first women's main event that's the thing man i i see what you're saying because charlotte winning is such a goddamn troll move by vince to the uh iwc the internet wrestling community but I think the whole crowd revolts if they do that shit. But I mean, I'm just saying that's why it's worth that bet because there are three outcomes in this thing where everyone is really expecting the happy version of it, and you know they're not giving you all yeah. three. And, and, and I, I kind of agree with Steph. I mean, I think I think you're right, Bobby. Like that would really upset the fan base and stuff. But you know what it also does? I guess people talking about it, right? And that's probably Vince's optics the most. Is like, okay, we're gonna get everyone on WrestleMania, get them all excited. How do we bring them to the Monday night, right? That's always going to be the thing. How do we how do we get it so when people who don't watch wrestling go to the office the next day, the guys that do are like, oh, man, you won't believe this girl is like, okay, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, but they're so impassioned because it was such a weird mind fuck for them and they need to talk to somebody. I think that's that's something that you shouldn't ignore. And I think when what Stefan's saying is like, you might be able to make a lot of money because this is not a real sporting event. Things don't always, the, the best wrestler doesn't always win usually there's some sh shenanigans going on and anything happens and i think that's part of the appeal of pro wrestling is that weird stuff happens and like stefan says they there's ne is there ever wrestlemania where all the good guys win no you gotta have some it, upset. Used, it used to be like that but when we were younger when we were oh, kids, really? oh, the early ones sure but yeah. now you gotta fuck with their mind you know what i i, I think my, I'm, I'm not kidding i really think roman came back he was their champion that was vince's plan I think that if Brock's not, I think they can get away with Brock winning the belt, like holding on to the belt, maybe through some question, maybe they find a way, I don't know, to do it. I don't, I mean, the, I, 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 there's three, there's really those three, not like, I think you're getting two out of three stuff. And I think that's what we're going to get here. But I think that's the one that I see most likely because Jesus Christ, there's no way Kofi's not winning. Like, Kofi has to get it because they were just racist. Yeah, they're just racist that doesn't happen. Not be. And but we've the been building one can be the swerve where, hey, negative you know what you know what era we live in. Negative media, negative attention is perfectly as good as positive attention. See, my scenario, Steph, is that Becky's gonna beat Charlotte so that when Rhonda does come back from her walkabout or whatever she's gonna do, um, she didn't get beat. And you have the rematch. That's my logic there. I think that's the only reason Charlotte's there, I'm hoping, to eat the pin. Um, that makes sense too. But I, man, I think that those odds are for a reason. I think. I think everybody's saying the same thing about how Seth doesn't have to carry that show by himself anymore. There, there's, he's back. The man's back. He's, I mean, the actual, the guy is back. I it's, mean, when it's it, Roman's when it was, house. As Mark was kind of saying, when it comes to betting pro wrestling, you're betting on what I actually like to do in MMA. You're betting on storylines, you know? You're not, you're not like Mark said. You're not betting on the quality of wrestler in these. You're purely the best woman or man winning. Yeah. So it makes it fun. I I I think I agree with Stefan. Becky, I, uh, who I've never seen wrestler, I know literally nothing about besides that she's Irish, Scottish, whatever, is gonna lose because that'd be a big fuck you, and that's such a Vince thing to do. You know what's impressive about Becky? She doesn't have a plethora of cool shit, cool moves she does. Because that's what it takes to be really over at this point with most fans with the internet. She just 
is over. Her character is over. She's got like a T-bone suplex, a goddamn arm bar, and that's like fucking it, man. Like You're everything else. Not wrong, Bobby. I, I've tried playing her in the video game, and it's not really fun. She has like two suplexes. And you know how sometimes like everyone has a couple different finishers, a couple different signature moves. Not Becky. She's got well, she's got the arm bar it, 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 and her explosion. Arm bar like before Ronda came in. Well, her arm is like a weird like she has like the Fujimara one. They used to call it in wrestling, I think, where you kind of sit on the guy's shoulder, maybe. Mm-hmm, or, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but um. I know uh, uh, the the number of moves things. I mean, Stone, you know, Stone Cold, best podcast in the world, the only one better than ours. He was he interviews people. He interviewed like Ricochet or I forgot who it was. Where he's like, he's like, son, I saw a video on YouTube that said top fifty moves of Ricochet. Shit, I never had that. He's like, I only had four moves and two of them were middle fingers. And I'm like, that's one of my favorite things Stone Cold <laughs> says. But Stone Cold didn't. Stone Cold had a thes press, some stomps, and a stunner. Man, that was it. <laughs> like, you know, you know that that's how over she is. She doesn't have that many nutty moves. Um, some of these matches, like, look, Shane McMahon is in a false count anywhere, ma- anywhere match. What is he going to jump off of, Stefan? What's your guess? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> the WrestleMania sign? That's I mean, my guess, too. To me, this is like, this has to be a short match, right? This can't be a long match. I, mean, we don't have I like how... This is what I think. It's like, I don't feel like we have time for Shane to jump off of shit here. Like, you know what I don't have time for? Fucking, what are we doing with Finn Balor and Bobby Lashley? I don't have time for Bobby Lashley's existence anymore, Okay. He's just in shape. That's it. Um, I hear Finn's joining the Shield in a future storyline. Yeah, sure. Why not? Didn't he? Um, Wait. I refuse to believe also Kurt Angle's retirement match cannot be Baron Corbin. Like, come on now. John Cena's going to come out. That's the real match. What are we sure, doing? Sure, sure, but uh, have you, man? Have you seen Kurt recently? He does not look good. It's like yeah, I, don't this, even, I don't even want him to watch his his spine looks very compacted to me. There's a weird like scrunched upness about his. He whole took a lot of spikes body. in his day. <laughs> like I, I, I'm worried about him wrestling. I don't think he needs one more. Dude, he took some. I was watching some of his TNA matches on uh, Pluto TV, the best app on Roku, folks. Free channel, free TV. Um, he just was doing all sorts of TNA had some weird shit going on, man. It was like half ECW with some of their violence. Um, Kurt's taken a lot of abuse over the years. And if he wants to go out, I think, God, Baron Corbin. I like. I don't like Baron Corbin. This is not a necessary match, though. Um, Rey Mysterio versus Samoa Joe. I just like Samoa Joe. I'm just in favor of his existence. And a bunch of battle royals. This is going to be a long show. I count 14 matches on Wikipedia. I don't, oh see the, I, don't see, I don't see any tag titles besides the women's one. What are we doing? Like, <laughs> and on that said, that's who I've come to see. The Iconics, who somehow have the second best odds to win this match. They're not winning this match, but their gimmick of just being two annoying, bitchy girls they're the, works they're for incredible. me. I love their gimmick. They're they're just the worst. That's their gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes them the best, Bobby. It makes them yeah, the best. I like I like I think AJ Styles and Randy Orton is just gonna be a good match that probably doesn't be doesn't need to be on WrestleMania. It's just gonna be a solid performance from the guys. Um it's just they made WrestleMania too long. Their roster is too big, quite frankly. They have too many people, and it's why you get up people like the Revival aren't on the show. I fucking love the Usos, and they're not on the show. The rest of the New Day doesn't have a match. You know, Cesaro and Sheamus. There's no tag team matches, guys. Cesaro and Sheamus don't have a match. Like whatever uh, the Glorious team is, Chad Gable and uh, Bobby Roode. That's they don't have. There's a lot of guys that don't have matches. They're on the show. You know what's funny about the Revival is uh, they were one of those teams that kickstarted these whole everyone's going to AEW rumors because they're unhappy. And it's like, they're going to leave, but they gave them the titles. 
And uh, what they've done since giving them the titles is just have them constantly lose non-title matches. So they're the champions, but they're also jobbers. Yeah, it's, it's incredible work on their part there. And uh, I guess Dean Ambrose's contract comes up, and he, he's not on the show, maybe, I guess. Anyway, um, I uh, still a wrestling fan, more so excited for TakeOver. Honestly, wait, I'm actually excited for TakeOver. I'll watch Mania here and there. I'm excited. I mean, I'm going to watch it on some level. I want to see Kofi Kingston. Um, I think Daniel Bryan is an incredible heel while we're mentioning this stuff. I The fact that he's able to get booed while essentially not just talking about how we need to save the earth <coughs> is – I just love that's what Vince considers a heel. It's just <laughs> a guy talking about saving Mother Earth. He's a liberal. <laughs> I remember uh, Samoa Joe's a bad guy because he was telling Jeff Hardy that like he needs to make sure he doesn't drink and drive. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, man, Joe's giving good advice. <laughs> um. His uh, thing against AJ was, like, slamming him for being an absentee father. Yeah, I'm like, Joe's <laughs> out here just being the moral conscience of the WWE. Like, what, what are we doing? Um, Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre is going to be good. I'm just putting it out there because they're going to beat the fuck out of each other. They're just going to beat each other up. It's going to be a, a big hoss match. Just two big motherfuckers slamming into each other. Vince lives for that shit. That gif of him, uh, with, like, uh, with the, the, the meme of Vince... Getting more and more excited. It's for shit like this. Okay, Roman and Drew McIntyre. Um, it's got some good shows. It's just too long. This is a long thing. And I know you're talking to people who watch wrestling. Or you're listening to people who wa- who watched seven hour MMA cards. But we used to. <laughs> there's no expectation. Also with MMA, there's a ramp up of like emotion. And I can't. I don't, I'm not. You know, I'm not yelling and cheering during the first match. You know, the, the first fight. In MMA, they're gonna. I mean, in, in, in uh, WWE. Some poor bastards, this is his whole fucking big year, end of the year payday. They're going to send out Buddy Murphy and Tony Nese. And as much as I love Tony Nese, the crowd's going to be silent, Steph. No one's going to care, you know. And uh, that's because there's too many matches. Buddy, Buddy Murphy's dumb, the best kept secret a dumb for a reason. For championship. Cruiserweight? Come on. You do better. Dude, I mean, their cruiserweight is UFC's light heavyweight. And uh, again, Tony Nese just counts his abs. That's my. He, that's his entire gimmick. Okay. Well, the the well, funny thing about Buddy Murphy being champ that when I kind of like looked into his whole deal, because uh, I've mentioned in the past when Mark and I watched him on NXT, he was an absolute bum with no future. But uh, the fact that his whole thing is that he cuts to the weight limit, and I was like, it was that whole had them integrating MMA concepts into pro wrestling, and I'm like, who the fuck cuts weight in pro wrestling? Like, it doesn't matter what you weigh in pro wrestling; anyone can wrestle anyone. So that's just one of those funny random like, all right, trying to be legitimate, whatever things they do. All right. This show's getting long. Um, Just like WrestleMania will be. Oh, no, it's going to be long. Yeah. Um, we'll be back next week. We're going to preview that fight card, as we mentioned. Uh, thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, I was Dr. Law. Kid Presentable was here. DJ Mark was here. Lavender Gooms was here. We'll get rid of these nicknames eventually. Until next week, peace out. See ya. See ya. Cheers. Cheers.